Yo, what's going on, good people? Hope you all are doing well. I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Kings for Christ podcast. I truly hope and pray that the message and conversations that are had truly resonate with you and that you are able to learn something new. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the episode. Hey, good morning, everybody. Thank you for coming through. Today we'll be in James chapter four, continuing from last week. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray us in. Father God, thank you for allowing us to come here today and learn more about you. I pray that you just let the Holy Spirit lead us today and guide us and convict us in the areas that we need conviction and just help us learn more about you and learn more about ourselves as well. And I pray that you just allow us to have a beautiful week this week and just allow us to show your love to others as we journey out through life, Lord. And we know as long as we still have breath in our lungs, we still have a purpose. And I pray that you just continue to reveal our purpose to us. And we ask all these things in your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So you guys know how we do it for the most part. Um, We pretty much just popcorn. And let's see, James chapter four has about, has 17 verses. I guess our lucky number is typically three. We can do like three verses a person. Uh, anybody want to get us started? I can. Okay. Um, <clears throat> John, closer to God, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you want. You want what you don't have. So you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for the loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let these be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief, and let there be sadness instead of laughter, and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Don't speak evil against each other, uh, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone, um, yeah, God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Look here, you who say, 
today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. And that hit hard. <laughs> I, I guess I have a question. So, so what do we ought to do then? <laughs> as far as like verse 17? Yeah. Because it is what a question, like, I mean, it's not, not necessarily a question, but a statement. So what, what are we supposed to do? I think it's like one of those things, it's like how people say characters, what you do when people aren't watching. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of that in a sense. Okay. okay. Yeah. I think it's situational. Like for me, I got a test coming up. I got to study. And if I don't mm. study, that's, that ain't, that ain't, you know, I'm going to fail. So like, you know, it's a, Kind of like that, I think. That's what I, that's what I was going to. And I think it's, it also goes back. It's like, you know, people ask like a lot of questions as far as like, I guess it's like, how far can I take it before I start sinning? If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's like, is this a sin? Is that a sin? But it's like, if you know in your heart that is wrong, then it's a sin. Because not everything that's, a sin for me not might not be a sin for somebody else because it's specific things that God may tell me to do and if I do it it's a sin but if he but like God didn't command Trayvon to do it so it's not a sin for Trayvon to do it mm-hmm. that's true Just, you know like you hear some people about like drinking like we can drink without getting drunk but for some people God is like you know you don't need to have a drink at all so for them it's a sin but for me it's so it kind of reminds me of that. Does that kind of make sense or? Yeah, it helps out. Yeah, thank you. And then, and then, like once you said that, uh, it had came into mind. I think my quote said this maybe like a month or two ago. He said, um, he was like, every sin has a thought. So like you think before like you actually do something, and like that, like I don't know, like it just stood out to me because you know, like when I think of stuff like dang not that it is a sin or before like I do something I think about it and then that's I'm like okay like my quote said this so like that's something that like sticks in like my mind from him saying that you know so yeah I think sometimes we just we make sin more complicated than it really is especially like with the like in the relationships with the sex stuff it's like how far can I go before it's become sexual immorality and my, my sometimes it's like if you got to think about it then obviously that means it is a sin does anybody else have any thoughts about anything else? Yeah, I guess what I was thinking um, too with that, like say we take the word itself and implement it in our lives and then we we kind of learn, you know, right from wrong with that. And like, um, you know, let that be what we govern by. I think it's kind of like knowing what's right and wrong. Like if you know what's wrong and you and you doing, you know, wrong, <laughs> You know, that's the sin itself. Uh, but which, when you learn what's right and then you know what's right, but you end up doing wrong, you know, that ultimately is the sin itself. Yeah, I think it just, it kind of hit different when you're doing something you know is wrong. I think we, we talked about it like a couple of weeks ago, like you just get 
you get tired of repenting for the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's like through the process of doing it, you knew it was wrong from jumping, yet you still did it. I don't know, because it's like, how do you kind of, I guess my question is, how do you get out of that cycle? I think by the power of your testimony to other people, because um, when you tell your testimony to other people, it it not only um, highlights it, but also you're telling somebody. And then when you do think about it again, you're like, okay, I told this person that I did this. And then that will give you conviction that you shouldn't do it. You mean, you still may do it, but at least you'll think about it more um, and that other person holding you accountable. Yeah, so you're referring to like more of like an accountability partner? Yeah, like, you know, I mean, because, you know, we are told to have like community and stuff like that. And those, we can go back to those same people to lean on and be like, hey, you know, I'm struggling in this area. And then y'all get to talking, like, I'm struggling in this area too. And then through that, you, y'all can lean on each other when y'all are having those tough days. Um, no matter what the sin is, it just be like, look, I'm struggling with this. I know you struggle with it too. Help me or pray for me during this time or whatever the case may be. So I guess, uh, I guess what's like a word and advice for somebody who doesn't have an accountability partner? Like, how do you say they go about getting one? Well, I mean, coming to stuff like this, like coming to a Bible study or just reaching out to people you trust. Uh, that is on the same, not necessarily the same level of you faith, faith wise, but just somebody who else is a believer and uh, y'all can start, you know, developing a relationship until you get comfortable with sharing things that, you know, you wouldn't share with a non-believer because a non-believer just be like, oh, you're struggling with that. Oh, I mean, I don't care. That's not, and then they know you're struggling with it. Um, Whereas somebody in Christ, you know, not only they understand they've been through the same things and they can help you, y'all can help each other um, get through it together. But I think just find a community like this and then just trying to find somebody, you know, a Christian that will help, whether that be a youth pastor, a pastor, just anybody in Christ that you could really trust and uh, depend on during those tough times. Uh, kind of going with that, like, you, can you talk about if you don't have anybody, you just by yourself? Yeah, I think like, what's the same? All right, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, let's just say, like, you like a beginner, like you new to the faith and like what's like advice for finding accountability for somebody in that situation? Like for us, you know, we got this, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure it was probably at one point in time where we all didn't have a community and we probably didn't even know how to go about getting it. So I guess, you know, advice for that. Well, before I would even say before, like not even looking for a community at first, like, like why you don't have it? I would say one important key factor, even if you do have a community, just knowing that you're healed from whatever you like and, and walking in that. Like I know a lot of times we we look and we pray God take us away from it. And we expect for it to be this like magical thing, this big thing where we're delivered from it and we get this, I don't know, this this crazy feeling we don't even have a desire for it. That's like not really realistically. It's like you gotta keep walking in it keep walking that you know that you're healed like you know that what you prayed for that god heard you and then he worked it and that doesn't mean that you're not gonna have temptation that doesn't mean that opportunities aren't going to arise and all that it just means that you now it's your turn to walk in your walk in your faith and like firmly believe with that with that what you prayed about what you know and what and that god heard you like it's all it all came to pass so it's not so it's not like you can't have an accountability partner and i ain't saying that but like it's bad to have that but it kind of starts within you. You know what I mean? It, it starts with you knowing and firmly believing that God heard you and God took it away. 
No, that, that, that's a good point, because then you start to depend on your accountability partner instead of depending on God. I agree, because I think you have to make your mind up and then hold yourself to that standard, you know? And then when you feel like you at that standard and you're slipping, that's when I feel like you can incorporate accountability partner. Or, I mean, establish that before, maybe. But I think you got you to gotta make your mind up and what you're trying to accomplish and how you're trying to walk. Um, and just hold yourself accountable. I think that's a big thing. But it, it, it could be tough. It, it is tough, you know. But I just think it starts. It starts within you, like Ezekiel said. I encourage all of you um, um, go back in James. It's kind of like DJ's taking that statistics class, and those first things that he learns builds up on other things. Go back in James and look at all the things that he's recommended that you do. If you go back to like the first chapter, kind of like what Drew said, he recommended that, hey, if you hear the word of God and you don't do it, then you forget really how great you are. He tells you if you go through trials and tribulations, you know, count it all joy. He tells you in this chapter, hey, if, you know, why do you quarrel and war, war against people? Because you want things for your own selfish desire. So he's saying, if you know to do good and you don't do it, it's a sin. In this case, he's almost really telling you, he isn't telling you not to sin, but he's telling you, if you know, if you see and you have the opportunity to do good and you don't do it, it's a sin. So I encourage you always like to go back, especially like when you read a, like a letter like this, read that whole letter from beginning to end, because everything in that letter at least it'll hold up in that. And it'll give you a lot more confidence and a lot more faith in what you read and study. And a lot of times what I found is um, I had a young lady who I'm training how to study the Bible now. And sometimes, you know how, like, if you want to be a star athlete, you can train on your own and you can be really good. But sometimes you go get, like, a real strong trainer that makes you accountable, right? That, that says, okay, well, hey, if you want to, you know, do A, B, and C, and D in the Bible, right? Go to someone who trained you. Okay, boom, jump in, do A, B, C, D. You go to people to help you train and build your body, but people typically don't go to people to help them spiritually train. So you think it's deeper than just going to church on Sunday as far as for training? Yeah, it's, there's... There's different levels, right? So it's just, it's like, it's really like anything, right? If you go to, if, okay, if you guys go to university and let's just say your major is finance, you can go to the lecture and listen to the professor. That doesn't mean you can do finance. It's not until you pick up your book and do the homework that you can actually do the problem. Okay, that's just going through school. But it's not until you can actually go into the workplace and actually apply it, that you actually know it and you experience it. So there's, there's church level education where you can sit and listen. Sounds great, but can you really do it? Most cases not. Sounds good, but you kind of really can't. You know, then there's like when you come to this level where you go to the Bible study, you guys actually read the Bible and you actually talk about it. That's a deeper level, right? That's like a, it's like a study level. And then there's a level where you decide, I'm going to 
go deeper, learn how to study, go get the Hebrew, the Greek, right? Get really deep into it, whatever. And then I'm going to try to apply it to my life. And then I'm going to come back to a group like this. It's a deeper, it's a, it's just different levels of, that's all it is. It starts with the church, right? If the church was not there, right? You wouldn't even have the opportunity to go to the next level and then to the, 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 the deeper level. It's just like any athlete, right? So well. I mean, with, with, that, with that being said, is it possible to go too fast? Yeah. Right. It's like anything in life, right? You, 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 if you try to work out too much too quick, you'll hurt yourself, right? You know, you, you got to let yourself grow, right? You got to, you got to take the time to practice one thing, right? You know what I'm saying? And then, and then work on that thing for a while, you know, then you practice the next thing and until you get that thing, you know? So yeah, you can, you can try to go, you're right, Marco. You, you can try to go too fast, man. Can yeah. I, I want to kind of go with that. I kind of, that's a good analogy, like working out. Like you ever seen somebody with like big like biceps or like big arms and all that, but they got little legs. It's like <laughs> you're like, bro, you focus on the wrong thing. It's kind of like the same thing with the scripture. You, you see, I know people who like you can they can tell you scripture like front and back, different translations and all that. But then when it comes to you got the like the sermon of the spirit, they don't have that, or really telling you what the scripture really means. They don't really know that, or just even showing you how to apply the scripture and where to apply the scripture. You know, they don't know that. So it's like when you uh, uh, just dive in and you just you, you just trying to do one thing and you're not focused on like really trying to soak it soak it all in. You know, you kind of you kind of like miss the main point. You're not. I feel like I'm not explaining it right, but you're not like getting really what you need to get. You know, you're not building yourself up like in the correct way. That's why we do things in seasons. So like what level us out kind of. We go through a season of this and we learn this. Then go to another season where we learn something else. Then grow in this area. You know what I mean? It's not like it's not just strictly all one thing. Yeah, Drew, and even with that too, like they can know all that stuff, but it, look at look at how they live, right? So if you're somebody quoting scripture and doing all that stuff, yeah, that's nice. But and then you know you leave church and then you you know you cuss out the first person you see. You know, or you got an attitude problem or something or other things that you need to work on. You know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We all heard of pastors like that. Yeah, of course we all have. We all have. We all been there probably. <laughs> but it's like unapplied knowledge is worthless. Yeah. Yeah. So it make me it make me think about sports, right? Like you go, say you go get an extra workout and you're working on all these skills and then you don't apply it in a game. You know what I'm saying? Like, or you just like, say we're talking about just going to church on Sunday. Like, say you got basketball, five guys. We ain't practice all week, and we just show up for the game expecting to strategize and beat this team. You know what I'm saying? It's like you got to put that extra work in, go to practice. Like, this is that extra workout. Like, us sitting down right now, getting that extra workout, exercising our minds to be in line with the scripture. And then, you know, when that Sunday comes, that's when we regroup start all over yeah and also also too it gives us strength throughout the week so say we do go through something we go to church on sunday but you know you go to work monday and somebody bump up against you that you don't like you know and then you think about everything you went through you know this bible study in church and then you more forgiving and saying you know what it's not worth it instead of just lashing out the thing i feel like we got to realize that it's not we think that 
every week, like the, the week is the practice and Sunday is the game. It's like, no, Sunday is practice. Yeah. yeah. Learning yeah, on sure. Sunday, your Bible study, you know, spare time, that's the practice. When you go to work, that, that co-worker that keep getting in your face, that's, <laughs> that's, yeah, the, game. that's the game. Can you execute? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, right. I mean, yeah, Sunday, Sunday is easy. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, Sunday is supposed to be easy, but you in a room with other believers, y'all all, your spirits all lifted, everybody in a good mood. It's, what do you do Monday when you're getting cut off on your way to work? Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's easy. Like, it's easy. Sunday easy, like, but it's like, what are you doing Monday through Saturday? Mm-hmm. It's like, obviously, if you only, it's like going back to sports. If you only practice on Sundays, you're not going to beat the person that's practicing seven days a week. It's just like with the faith. Like if you only practicing your faith only on Sundays, then, you know, what's the point? You might as well just quit. (laughs) I mean, it's better than nothing, but it's like, are you really growing as much as you can be? No, that's, that's real. And it's like, it's easy to, like, like, even with, like, with you guys, it's easy. Like, my point, I said, like, it's easy to, like, talk with you about faith. It's easy to, 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 like, share my faith and, like, ideas and scriptures, all that with you. But, like, and it's easy to apply it with you because we come from the same thing. But it's, like, if I went to somebody else that's, like, doesn't believe in God and they treat me harshly, that's what it's, that's what it's all about for real. You know, it's, like, the, the script, there's a lot of scripture that talks about uh, uh, what to do when somebody slaps you. Like, you said, give, offer them the other cheek. You know what I mean? Like you don't really know, you don't need to really know too much instruction on what to do when somebody gives you a hundred dollars or when you get a blessing. Like you, I don't, it's not, you don't really need to know, or like it's not really common. It's, you don't really need to apply too much knowledge when that happens. You already know, like say thank you, thank God, and all that. It's not that hard. But what can you do when like God says no or uh, uh, somebody else is doing something to you? You know what I mean? That's where it needs. That's where this stuff needs to be applied at. I mean, like you said, it's easier to talk amongst other believers, but I feel like we'll all like, yeah, I find joy and we all probably find joy in lifting each other up and helping each other out, strengthening each other. But I'm pretty sure every single last one of us will find more joy knowing that we help bring somebody to the faith in the first place. Mm. Wow. And so, wow. yes, Sunday is cool. Bible studies are cool and they all serve a purpose and they're all great. But it's like to know that, you know, somebody cussed me out and I didn't punch them in the faith, face, rather I acted in love. And it's like, what? <laughs> Maybe this Christian thing is, you know, what, you know, what they really claim to be. Because, you know, like you said, on Monday, Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, you were a completely different person than you are on Sunday. But it's like, if you that way throughout the whole week, that's how you bring people closer to God. Yeah, we can shout and holler and pray together. Yes, that's, we call it to do that too. But it's like, I'm pretty sure we'll all be more happier knowing that we brought somebody to the faith rather than we strengthened Uh somebody else that was already in the faith. Because like, whether or not I strengthen Trayvon, you know, his faith, his, um, him going to heaven already sealed, like that's taken care of, but somebody that's going to hell, like how do we reroute that? I feel like that's more important than anything else. And that's why it's so important to like get people saved. Cause like, it's a joy that come with it because the joy is not for me and my personal gain. It's it's a personal gain for, for heaven. So 
Mm-hmm. When somebody, and that's why it's so important to me when people be like, like I had a friend, one of Tashana friends uh, just got um, saved, um, I think it was two weeks ago. And I was so happy. She's like, why are you so happy? And I was like, you don't understand. Like mm-hmm. you, you, you setting your family up. So that way now, based off your faith and you walking this thing out, your family can, you know, see what you're doing and that could impact them. And then more people get saved just based off of our little interaction that we have. So, yeah, what we doing is good, but what you're doing is impacting your family, your cousins, all the people that see you and your lifestyle. So that way, when you change, you you know, you were forced to see other people change. And it, I mean, it just keep going. Yeah, I encourage you all. You guys are all athletes. I encourage all of you. It's like a coach, right? I, I, I'm, I'm really starting to understand this. God literally watches you. And when he knows that he can count on you, in, in James, the first chapter, he puts you through that test, right? Because he knows that you can conquer. So he's like a coach or, or you know, who's like, oh, you know what? I got to go defeat the enemy. Man, I see Trayvon's ready. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I see Tyrone's ready. I see DJ's ready. I see DeAndre's ready. Let me put them in, right? You get put in. Either you win, like Markwell said, or either you lose and punch a person in the mouth, right? <laughs> but, 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 but that, 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 and, and that is how you conquer, right? So he trains you up, you come together, you practice, you study, you put the word inside of you. And if you study the parable of the sword and the seed, the reason why persecution and affliction comes to you is because of the word. The coach is like, hey, I put the word in you. Now let me put you in the game, right? So we can win. Either you're going to swim or you're gonna you're gonna sink, right? But at least you know where you stand, you know, when you get in the game, right? And you can go back and retrench and do whatever. So and Sunday can be hard if Sunday's about helping people, right? If if you got to try to all come together and do something to help somebody on Sunday, it can get hard. Right. And you can have that friction among the Christians. And then when we go home, it's hard. It ain't easy when you go home. But I mean, what you just said kind of remind wants me to go back to um, chapter four, verse seven and eight. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. So it's kind of just like making that decision. You know, are you going to resist sin? and come close to God, or are you going not resist and go further away from God? And kind of like what you said earlier, Tyrone, it's just like simple. You got to make up your mind what you want to do. And just like going back to sports, the more you practice something, the easier it's supposed to get. The more you practice resisting sin, the easier it's going to get as far as like particular sins. Obviously, we all probably got our things that trips us up more than others. It's like the more you practice resisting it, the devil will flee from you. And I like how right after that, it says, come close to God and you and God will come close to you. Mm. Oh, it's, I mean, it's, I think it's simple. Yeah. You got to say, I want to be the greatest Christian, <laughs> like the greatest <laughs> I can be, you know, and along that way and along that journey, you impact the people and those small encounters resonate. With, with anybody you meet, you know what I'm saying? Like they can discern and see the spirit of God in you just by how you carry yourself, how you exchange and, and language and conversation. Uh, I think that's big. 
I mean, it's just like sports. You know, we keep going back to sports. But, you know, you're going to lose games. You're going to sin because we're human. But it's like, how do you bounce back? Mm. Do you decide to resist moving forward and try to go close to God? Or are you just like, hey, this it, we, we losers. All we're going to do is lose. So we might as well keep losing. And it's like, we can, we can do the same thing. We human. We're going to sin. We might as well just keep sinning. It ain't no point. <laughs> so, but the choice is yours. Here's something where I struggle. And um, in verse 11, it says, don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. He doesn't say don't speak e evil against each other, the people in the world. But he says, don't speak evil against each other, brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? I'm going to tell you, I struggle with this for a long time. And here's where you can get the big head. If you study the Bible and then you look at other people that don't study the Bible, you can begin to notice specks. And in reality, you're not noticing specks. You're just noticing the big plank that's in your own eye because God has so much that he's put in you, but he can't get it out if your eye is focused on the speck, right? So it's about supporting one another. It's like, it's like, you know, the great athletes make other team members great. The athletes who are great, but then like, look at the specks in their other teammates, they don't win championships. You know what I'm saying? So I've struggled with that for a long time right? You can't look at the speck in your brother or sister or Christian's eye because you got a big log. I had a big log in my eye, you know, and if I got a big log in my eye, I can't, I can't do what God has me do. Just judging little specks. I think I've been there too. Because for the most part, your attentions are good. Because it's like, I just want you to grow closer to God as well. But in doing that, it's like, you're not me and I'm not you. You know, this, the pace and the strategies that I use to grow close to God may not work for you. And you might not just be in that space right now. I, don't, I mean, we don't know anybody's story, but, you know, you wanted somebody else can grow, can turn into this, turn into judgment. And you get to the point where it's not thinking that you're better than them, but it's just like, I don't even know how to explain it, honestly. But, you know, it could turn into bad, like you said. But for the most part, most people's intentions are not wrong. But it, in the back of your mind, you are judging them low-key because it's like, you know, you don't read as much as you should. You don't pray as much as you should. And also, that too, like with that, it, you stopping yourself from, like, showing them grace in that moment and leading mm -hmm. them back towards Christ. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you saying like all these, I mean, we all are guilty of this. So I'm not saying like specifically, I'm talking about the person in general. Like we all, you know, are like, oh, you should be doing this, you should be doing that. But at the end of the day, we should be doing stuff too. And 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 ultimately that's stopping, you know, taking time away from saying, you know, let's go do this together or, or you know, by providing an example that they can follow, regardless of, you know, whether you, they right or wrong, it's just about, God at the end of the day and Jesus so 
let's focus on that and not, you know, falling short. Cause we all gonna fall short. We all mess up, but like, like pastor, I mean, sorry, not pastor, <laughs> like Mr. Bright said, um, looking at that log in your own eye, you know, instead of looking at that, just looking at where you can focus and help them instead of, mm-hmm. you know, trying to, it's more of a community thing. Like if you say you're my brother, yeah, I'm going to criticize you, but at the end of the day, I'm going to, you know, show you the right way. Not necessarily the right way, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep guiding you towards Christ instead of um, doing, not necessarily doing the opposite, but not doing it. I, I think that's where leading by example comes into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we we often forget how powerful leading by example is. So, I mean, if you're doing the right thing, we talk about it all the time, people come up to you, hey, I, I see how you live and I want that too. Well, here's how you get it, rather than you need to do this, 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 and that. And we, we, we all grew up as kids. There's probably been times when we planned on doing the dishes, but then our parents told us to do it and we didn't want to do it no more. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's just how it is with anybody. It's like, I don't want to read the Bible no more because you're telling me to do it. I planned on doing it anyway, but now that you're telling me to do it, I ain't going to do it. You know, and I, I'm guilty of doing it too, just because you want somebody else to grow, but like they can't do it on your speed. They got to do it on their terms, not yours. Mm-hmm. And then like, they'll come to you and be like, hey, when you was in this situation, what did you do? And then they'll be like, oh, I did this, this, and this, just based off your life. And they'll see, you know, how you live your life. And then you pro- can provide guidance in, in, in that moment, you know? Drew asked um, in the chat, how can you decipher between holding somebody accountable and judging? Well, I feel like if y'all got that type of relationship, like say um, I see, this is an example, say I see Q, uh, doing something that I know, you know, I I know that he's, you know, below the standard, right? I could come to him and he know I'm coming to him in a loving way and not a way of attacking him and judging him. And he can learn from that and say, you know what, you're right, I shouldn't be doing this. Whereas if we don't have that type of relationship and I come back to Q, he like, hey man, don't tell me what to do. You don't know me. And then that's a whole nother situation that we have to deal with. I think it's all about delivery and, and intention. Mm-hmm. That's what I was just about to say. It's all about delivery and relationship. Mm-hmm. Explain that relationship. I think it's different. Like, like if a random stranger told you, you know, you living wrong, it's like, you don't even know me. You don't know what I'm going through, which, you know, if they led by God, you're still supposed to be receptive. But we all know as humans, we're not going to be receptive. If I told, I don't know, just some random guy on the street, like, hey, you need to treat your wife better. It's like you don't you don't know me or my wife. I'm like mind your business. But if I can, uh, Rian is like, hey, you know, you can, you know, you can treat Tashana a little better in this area. So like, he may still get irritated, but he know we have a relationship where it's like, okay, Marquel would never tell me something crazy, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't say nothing, like if because he cared for me. Some random guy in the street, and it's like you just in my business because you know, or you just one of those Christians that think you perfect. So I think it's it's the human nature out of it because it's like Jesus told people they was doing stuff wrong, and he he didn't know them. <laughs> like you think about the woman at the well, and how she received it. She could have been like, "You don't know me." So it it the relationship plays a role, but it also shouldn't play a role. Like, if you convict it, you just convict it. It don't matter who it's coming from. But as humans, you know, some random stranger telling you something about yourself, we most likely to react in a negative way. 
But like yeah, I said, I you go back to the Jesus scenario with the woman on the well and how she reacted. She didn't react like, oh, you just some random guy. So I don't know. The relationship, you, thing, relationship thing, I guess, is it's all circumstantial, I guess. And also, too, back to women at the well. So we all know that Jesus is love, right? So do you think because of that love that that that, that Jesus was coming from, that she was able to receive it and accept it without having a relationship with Jesus because she could feel and know that Jesus is love? Because if we know somebody, you know, come to us in this, in this love, we're going to be like, all right, all right. But she didn't even know him, but she could just probably feel and understand the love that allow her to not only accept it, but have a change of heart as well. You know what it's like, um, and I'll let Tyrone speak, because Tyrone had something that he was going to say. I think it's, um, I think you, you can feel that love. It's like, it's like, because um, Jesus, is a t his intention, even when he was dealing with her was, he said, I'll give you, you know, water, eternal life. So his, his, his intention and his heart was for her to be saved, for, for her, her to be born again. And if you think about Jesus, how popular he had to be at that time, it had been kind of intimidating to walk up to him, but it wasn't. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just think about if, if you see a famous person or a famous pastor or a famous someone in the church, you might be intimidated to say something to him because I guess like Marquel says and like Rian says, it's that love, right? Like when, when Jesus even spoke to the Pharisees, it literally says that he felt like remorse and like he felt because, because they were in darkness. So he, he actually cared about them. So when he was telling them, hey, you, you're, you're going to perish unless you believe in me, yeah, he was mad at them, right? Like, like you, like, like you would be. But he's also like, he had compassion for him. Like, man, you're gonna die. So I think it. I, I, I think like Marquel says. I think, and I know the thing that I'm challenged with is relationships. I think it's relationships and having like love, right? To be able to talk to that. And some some strangers aren't gonna accept you. Tyrone, what did you have to say? I'm so sorry. Oh, no, you're good. Um, I'll just, I guess, based off that question of, like, the difference between judging and holding somebody accountable, I think if you move out of grace and, like we've been saying, love, you kind of ask yourself, like, what does this person need right now? Like, mm. not how, how can I make it tougher on them, but how can I, what do they need? And it could be something as little as, you know, a scripture or, uh, something that you've been through that could be similar. Um, but you kind of put yourself in, the, in their shoes and see that they at a low point right now. Uh, but me jumping on their back and going, it's not going to help that situation. Yeah, I think it's like grace and love. Because I think the example that we just gave, you know, the woman at the well and the Pharisees, like Jesus reacted the same to both as far as convicting them and telling them where they were wrong. One person, one group of people wanted to kill them. One group of person changed their life. So I think it's at the end of the day, just doing what God tells you to do rather than what your flesh is telling you to do. Because your flesh is going to want to be like, you know, you're doing this wrong. You need to be closer to me or doing the same thing I'm doing. But that's when you need to look at the own log in your own eye rather than looking at somebody's specs. 
but then you got moments where you genuinely want to help somebody and then you deliver it gracefully and with love and however they react is however they react but as long as you're doing what god wants you to do then you know you're doing what god wants you to do yeah that's a good question though it is one of those things where it's like how do you know when you're being judgmental or just holding somebody accountable i think you you check yourself i think it starts there like what's my motive behind this and you can be blinded by saying oh i just want to help this person but at the end of the day you just you you judge me nah, that was a good question because it's crazy because um basically the chapter we just read verses 11 through 12 are about judging others here's a hard one this is a real one verses 13 through 16 are real and hard look here you who say tomorrow today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town you will stay there a year you will do business there and make a profit how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow your life is like the morning fog it's here a little while then it's gone you ought to say if the lord wants us to we will live and do this or that otherwise you are boasting about your own plans and all such boasting is evil and he even says in the, i think the first verses he says um what is causing the quarrels and fights among you do they come from the evil desires at war within you you want you don't have so you scheme and kill to get it you are jealous of what others have but you can't get it so you fight and wage war to take it away from them you don't have what you want because you don't ask god for it and even when you ask you don't get it because your motives are all wrong you only you want only what will give you pleasure so when i read verses 13 through 16 for the first time uh, i think last year or something like that I started saying God willing with just about everything. <laughs> Are you going to make it there? Are you going to be there tomorrow? God willing. <laughs> what are you going to do? God willing, I'm going to do this. God willing, I'm going to do that. And it was just like, that's that's what I got from this. It was like, I really, I'm really not in control of my life at all. Like if God wanted me gone right now, he, he, he'd do it. <laughs> so it's really it really made me check myself and it's like, who's in charge here, God or me? Like I can come up with, I'm pretty sure we've all had plans that we made that didn't go the way we wanted them to. It was like, at the end of the day, we not in control as much as we like to think we control. And it's like, if you're a person actually seeking after God's will, then that's when you really need to check yourself and say, you know, especially when it comes to money. Like we all probably all got plans about how we want to get money, how we're going to do this and that. But it's like, is this God's will at all? Or is this just what the world expects for me to do as a man? So I need to come up with schemes and plans on how to do it. What do you guys think about money? Man, just talking about this in uh, counseling yesterday with me and my girlfriend. Um, I believe... I mean, it's it's good. It's, it's great and significant to, to have. Um, I don't think that we should look at money as our provider, but rather we should look at God as our provider. And even if like you may not, even if God doesn't provide you with the funds for something, he can still provide you with the actual things that you need. Um, and sometimes I think of it, and this is a little off topic, but I kind of think of it like how 
there'll be times where like, we'll, we'll have a need or a want or desire for something. And someone is in a position that's willing to give that to you. So let's say, for example, like, you know, I'm, I'm hungry right now and I'm over somebody's, you know, event or something like that. And they're like, hey, you know, you want something to eat? And sometimes, you know, we can kind of let our, our pride get in the way of someone letting, of letting them serve us. They'll be like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good. Like, I, I'll be all right. And I'll figure it out. You know, something will come up. But it's just like, this is literally an opportunity for me to receive something that I'm desiring. And instead of me allowing this person to serve, I'm more so concerned about how I'm going to do it myself or how I'm going to figure it out myself as opposed to giving them this, this chance to serve. And so now there could be something very well working in this individual that God has been trying to do to get them to humble themselves, to get them to serve, to give them to offer a sacrifice something. And I'm limiting that because I'm allowing pride to get in the way. And so um, when it, and it, and that can even with, come with like money too. Like if I'm in a position where like, man, I could really use, you know, this amount of money right now and someone is willing to offer that to me. I'm like, nah, it's all good. I'll figure it out. Like, no, like this is take it. Like, it's okay to say yes. You know, it's okay for someone to, to, to give and, and serve and do so because there's times too where God may want you to serve and may want you to give something. And if other people are telling you no when this is your chance to, to give or serve, you may be a little upset. You may be a little disappointed because it's like, dang, you know, I really wanted to do this. And now I can't because they just don't want it or maybe they just don't, don't need it. But um, when it comes to, to funds and finances, like, yes, it's, it's great to have. Yes, it's, I think it's, it's significant. And even I think with men, we more so have the desire to want to provide for things. And in order to provide for a lot of stuff, you're going to need some type of, of money to do it. Um, the Bible also talks about like leaving an inheritance for your children. So I, I think money is kind of like a definitely a, a, something that we desire to obtain. Um, but I think at the same time, there's a way to think to where like this, if I have this, you know, I'm good. I don't need to be a millionaire. I don't need to be the next Bill Gates. I don't need to be filthy rich. I just need this amount of money to you know, live comfortably, leave an inheritance for my kids, and then just, you know, do the stuff that is enjoyable for life. It's crazy that you just you brought this up, uh, Mr. Bright, at the topic of money, because, like, I feel like, and here's what I'm seeing a lot, a lot of guys, a lot of times they want a lot of money, but in some instances it is for them, but, like, you see, today's day and age, it's like, it's mostly, it's right now, it seems like it's mostly for other people, it's like, most like for women, like, it seems like you can't, a man is not deemed as successful, or sometimes he's not even deemed as a true man if he doesn't have money, you know? Like, if you make, if you make a certain amount, you're not a real man. And I, it, or, like, a lot of times I hear, like, even women today, it's like, if a man don't make six figures, he's not, he not a real man. I can't get with him unless he makes six figures. It's like, what does that have to do with anything about his personality? You know what I mean? Like, that has nothing to do with what you're not looking for if he's a believer, if he's an abuser. You're not looking for if he's an addict. You're not looking for anything you just you were worried about how much money he makes so a lot of, a lot of times men feel like they have to make a certain type of money to be deemed as a man just how society is and also in the same I, I know some some guys who like buy their woman like uh gucci purses i know this one guy specifically he got his uh girlfriend some balenciaga shoes i don't know if you guys know what those are but it was like some thousand dollar hundred like really expensive shoes and she doesn't even like them 
And like behind it all is the fact he really bought them for him so he can feel like I'm a man, I'm buying my wife, I'm buying my girlfriend expensive things, you know, because that's just how society is. And they feel like if you don't do it, another man will, that's what girls look for. So like, I feel like, especially in men today, like men seek for money, they seek how to get any type of way to get money. That's why you see like people today are more desperate to get money, I'm gonna say than they ever have, but people are just doing anything for money now. Like really selling their bodies on, on social media, selling pictures of themselves for money, you know? And it's, it's sad, it's sad. And even the Bible talks about how, uh, I remember this scripture just stood out to me, I forgot where it's at. But it says uh, uh, money through fraud and uh, money earned the wrong way will dwindle, but uh, money earned through hard work will multiply. You know, just today men feel like they have to get money, like they had to get fast money. Just because how society uses that to deem that they're, that they're a man. That's good, Drew. Um, and as for me, I had to learn to let go. Um, and I know I talked about this previously, but you really got to learn to let go and, and acknowledge that, like, God really going to supply your needs. And, and it may not seem that way, despite, you know, uh, season or whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, like, God really supplies your needs. If you just look back over your life and think at this moment, God supplied at that moment, God supplied, like, he's going to continue to do it. But it's that fear of him, you know. The fear of like not knowing that um, scares, especially a lot of men uh, who are providers. Um, but honestly, just for me personally, just like letting it go helped me tremendously. It, it pretty much freed me, honestly. Another thing too that's kind of coming to my mind is uh, we shouldn't allow money to get in the to to get in the way of our relationships with other people. If I get to a point to where I'm I'm choosing money over um, my loved ones. I think I'm now a slave to money. I've now allowed my financial well-being and financial standing to be an idol to where I would rather sacrifice a, a relationship than rather sacrifice opportunities for me to, to get a quick buck or something like that. Um, and I, I think that's, that's just so surface level, so carnal, so fleshly to, to think or act in that way. Uh, because my my relationships with some with someone like it's so much more valuable than the than the money that I have. And I and I think about that that too in the sense of like even celebrities who I mean have millions of dollars, but feel like they're lonely or, or feel depressed or feel like there's no one that they can can talk to. And then you have you know celebrities, celebrities who may even like commit suicide and stuff like that. And then us on the outside are like, man, you got all the money in the world. Like, how could you feel or think like that? And it just goes to show that like that money doesn't mean anything if, you, if there's no one there to even like love on you, to support you and, and to just be the friend that you need in that moment. Yeah, I think money can be applied to verses um, one through three. What is, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. Like it's families that get torn apart just because of money. One of the biggest reasons why divorces happen is because of finances. Money is a magnifier. In other words, it magnifies your character, 
and what you're about. So it doesn't always mean because you have more money, it's better. It magnifies what's in your heart, because how you spend it, how you view it, what you look at it with. All of you were talking very good about understanding that money is <clears throat> not the determining factor of who you are as a person, especially who you are as a man. And yet, and still, we know society really, really honed in on money because women, of course, need security. And until they get alive to Christ, they don't really grasp the concept. Even when they do, many women feel still, they say they will trust God, but they still want to know that they have it in the bag already. Well, with men, we provide security and, and stability and hopefully protection. But yet, so we have to also realize we get all that from God. Literally trust God with all of our heart and don't lean on, lean on our own understanding. So, right, money is just to magnify. It magnifies what's in your heart. If you spend on yourself, shows how selfish you are, what's in your heart. Like uh, Zeke was talking about how many people get divorced over finances. Right. How you spend it, how you view it, whether you have enough or not. A lot of men, like the guy mentioned about someone taking, um, buying Balenciaga's shoes, $1,000 shoes. His money would have been better spent buying the $200 shoes and then taking $800 and saving it for, hey, a ring. <laughs> that's what you want. That's you know, where you're progressing. But let's not look at the material. Also look at what's behind it, the spiritual, and look at the, the matter of a thing because Scripture clearly says, the love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself, but the love of money. And we can see it in today's society with all the things that are occurring and happening. It's all based on the love of money. And I remember, like, I don't know, we view money higher than we should. Like, we trust money more than we trust God. And um, I know, like, just me personally, around the time I was getting engaged, and what year did I get engaged? 2021, I was having a conversation with somebody that who was married and I was just like, I don't even know if I got the funds to get engaged and get married and things like that. And he was just like, money is nothing but a tool. Like if you need to screw in a screw, don't you just go get a screwdriver? And it's just like same thing with money. If you a man that needs to provide for your family, you just go get a job. It's like, are you trusting God to provide for you? Or are you trusting yourself? And it's like, I don't think I've told anybody this, but the, the week of my wedding, I got a huge raise. And it's just like, that was nothing but God because I didn't even ask for it. And I was thinking about it and it was just like, dang, I'm about to get married. I don't know how much this stuff is going to cost me despite my first time paying for rent and things like that. But the week, literally the week I got, my first check with that raise came in the day that I got married. And it's just like, once you do things in God's will, like getting married and not saying just go out and get married because you want more money, but it's just like, once you do things in God's, God's will, he'll bless you. And it's just like Alonzo talks about it all the time. Once he started doing things the way God wanted him to, his money tripled. And it's like me and him both had the conversation when we did things outside of God's will and we lost a lot of money. And it's just like, once you do things to scheme and get wealth, that's when you end up losing money. Some people are successful, but at what cost? And it's just like, verse one, what's causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil, evil desires at war within you? 
Like now you're at war with yourself, you're at war with your family. You might have be a hundred thousand dollars richer, but you're at war within yourself and you war with everybody around you. So it's like at what cost? If you do things God's way, He bless you more than you expected. So it's just like we put money becomes an idol. Yeah, it's not a gold statue sitting somewhere, but it's an idol. Like people are killed for money. People will leave their wives, leave their husbands for the next man or woman that got more money. I got a question for you guys. Who gives an army the authority to win a battle to defend the kingdom? And secondly, who provides the funds, the equipment to fight the battles and pay the soldiers? The authority to win a battle to defend a kingdom. That's a good question. I mean, I understand that like a like a commanding chief or an officer would be someone who would guide them or at least give them direction for it, but not necessarily the actual authority to win. So to me, I, I would say that would have to be God. There you go. God given thing. So if it's God who what does everybody else think? So if it's God who gives authority to go and fight the battle for Marquel to go get married, to fight the battle with Carrie, for Rian to go get married, to fight the battle with his wife. Then who provides the funds and equipment to fight the battle and pay the soldiers? In regards to like this worldly war, like even the war that's going on now, like between like Russia and Ukraine, like even that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, it could just be kind of like a surface level way of thinking, but from from what I understand too, like, isn't that like part of like our tax dollars of what, like some, some countries, like, you know, you have to pay a specific amount of like taxes or whatever, and then governments decide how they distribute those funds. So mm -hmm. as far as like the actual money, I mean, that would come out of like our pockets, but I still believe that's a, a God given thing because the Lord can still decide how much of, of a, how much money someone may receive and, um, how they spend their money. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, were they able to fight battles? Right, yeah. How did they fund their battles? By the authority of God. By the authority of God. So God literally is a king, and he literally puts us into the battlefields and gives us authority to go to war in life every day. Yeah. And the king pays for his army and the king provides payment to the soldiers. If you go and really look and study the Bible closely, people decide, like you guys said, what you wanna do in life, what your heart intends to do. And if you decide that you want to actually go do the will of God and serve God, and he sees that in your heart, you go out and start winning, he will give you the authority to go do his will, but he will also provide all of the resources to do it and pay for you. If you decide to go out and be a dope dealer in your heart, Satan will give you the authority to do so. And he will provide you with the capacity because when you look at what authority means, authority means capacity, it means privilege, 
He'll give you the capacity to go out and be a dope dealer. He'll give you the funds. He'll give you the privilege to be in that area. He'll give you the competency to do it. He'll give you the mastery to make it happen. He'll give you the delegated influence. That's what authority is. So if you decide to go do the will of God to fight the battle, he will give you authority to do so if you make that decision. And him being a king will provide the funds, the money. Now, does it come magically in the mail? No. Like Marquel said, he made the decision. He got a raise. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he'll give you that ability based upon your desire and your heart. That's why he was able to take Pharaoh and say, hey, Pharaoh had a hard heart. Pharaoh had the authority of Egypt. Satan had given him the authority over Egypt. And by his power, by his money, by his capacity, by his army, God gave him the right and authority to chase Israel into the sea. So the reason why I say this, I'll be honest with you guys, is because we as Black men, because of slavery, never knew what authority really is. Authority is the capacity to do something. Authority is the privilege to do something. Authority is the competency to execute. Authority is the freedom, the mastery, the delegated influence. As a slave, you never had authority. You had the competency, so you were given the authority by the master to do what he told you to do, but you didn't have the authority that a president has mm -hmm. to build a nation. So it's important as black men, especially Christians, to understand God gives you authority. If you decide to do the will of God, he'll give you, like he gave Marquel the authority. He gave Rion the authority to take care of his wife. Zeke, he gives you the authority. Trayvon, he gives you authority. And then he'll provide you with the funds. That is so true. <laughs> it's true. Because I was in a situation where, like, I had to make a decision. Like, I had to get a job, and I knew, like, I had to take care of Shauna, but I didn't know how. And I just kept, like, praying and calling out to God, mm -hmm. and then I got a phone call. Then mm -hmm. that changed everything. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about, too, um, just how gracious God is when it comes to the gifts that he gives us. Because mm -hmm. um, the gifts of the Lord come without repentance. So even if I, even when I receive this authority that God gives me, if I decide to misuse it, mm -hmm. he's still gracious enough to allow me to keep using my gift. And so I, I think of, I kind of use this example of a lot of like leaders in history, like Hitler or Stalin, who definitely had some gifting of authority, but just used it in a very horrible way. Not that they their gift was a bad gift it was just how they decided to to use it what, what made it bad but was was interesting it's just like imagine what could have been what could have been done if those same men used their their authority but for something that was more beneficial i i can just i mean i can only imagine like the impact of of the world that that could happen or how lives could have been changed or what, what people would, would do even nowadays. 
because of the, the authority of, of someone. And so it's just so significant and so important to, to lead well and, and demonstrate and um, be in a position to truly be a role model because ultimately people are, are looking up to you and following you and seeing what you're doing and deciding whether or not if this is someone that I want to reflect or not reflect. So the, the authority that we have is is so influential and it shouldn't be, I don't think it should be taken lightly at all. Hmm. And I think that's why, if you think about how Satan attacks, Satan attacks at levels of authority, yeah. right? So if you think about the black community, Satan has attacked at the authority level of a man in his household. And, and, and it's across the United States, it's across the Caribbean, it's, it's, it's across the Western society. He attacks black men in the household because that's that first level of authority, right? And that and that's where he he works. And Zeke, like you said, if, if black men said, no, wait a minute, I'm going to win this battle here in my home. That's the beginning, right, of, of, of winning that authority level. Think about when the church grew Right, it started in Jerusalem. Jesus comes down, boom, the church grows. 3,000 people added the first day. The authority of Paul and the Pharisees in Jerusalem literally crushed them immediately. Satan. Now it scatters them out. Paul, Paul is going to Damascus. He is, it scatters the Christians out. So it's like God's plan. And, and all those people go with all their authority to preach the gospel, like Rion said. What does Satan do immediately next? He sends Paul to Damascus to chase where that authority is going. And Jesus says, okay, Paul, Saul, Gary, stop you. And I'm going to do what Zeke said. I'm going to take that authority and that power that you have and that desire in your heart to serve me. Even though you're blinded, and I'm going to use that, right? <laughs> and start preaching the gospel. I'm going to put a, I'm going to put a hit in, you know what I'm saying, in, uh, in, in, in Satan's authority and his kingdom. And we can all see that we're actually fighting a war where Jesus says that, hey, you know, after I rose from the dead, I sit in the right hand of God. I'm waiting for all of my enemies to be made my footstool. We are all in a battle and a fight in a war every day. And you can decide if you get beat, you get beat. Some people choose to choose what is the pill of the matrix where they don't wake up. And they just let Satan beat them up for the rest of their life. But you're in a war. As a Christian, you're in a war. Um, I, I, I remember we was uh, kind of talking about like sports analogy too, again, with, with being in, in wars and battles. Um, I was just thinking about just like how at least on the professional level, um, I'm almost certain that every championship team has had at least one loss. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong, but to my knowledge, I don't know of any team, maybe one that had like a literally a perfect season. But I, it's, I mean, it's, it's almost like it's not, it's not heard of. It's not seen like there's, there's going to be like at least some point where you're where the enemy is winning or where it looks like you're not gonna looks like you're not gonna gonna win this battle but 
at the end of the day, like as long as you finish out the season with the championship, you're host hosting the 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 trophy. That's that's the the end all the victory, and so we can't always be upset at the little times that we fall short or where the enemy may have had a little bit more of a, of a win over us because at the end of the, when it comes to the end like we know who's victorious in the end like Jesus has the victory so we can we can rest in that we can be assured in that we can be we can boast in that that God is going to be victorious at the end uh, but I, I think it's just that like for me I just be so competitive in nature that I, I kind of hate that when I when I take a loss in something. Um, but it, I mean, like the like the Bible says, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. So it's not that the weapon won't form, is that it won't prosper over us. And yet, Zeke, I want to encourage you when you have those weapons that form against you that will not prosper, you learn from those too. Take everything as a learning opportunity. You talk about taking a loss. However, it's never a loss. It's an opportunity to grow and learn from it. So you won't be tripped up by that same device the next time. Mm. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Along the way, if he can, he'll destroy your witness. He'll destroy your joy. He'll steal your joy if you let him. We all do these things by choice if we let him. Mm. So we don't, we're not ignorant of his devices. We're, we're you know, in situations and you want to be competitive. That's good. But when you take a, you're about to take a loss, learn from the loss. It's never, it's never a loss. It's just delayed overcoming. Okay. So that thing's going to come back around again. You're going to learn it and overcome it. So it, it's amazing how God twists all those things that Satan means for evil and then turns them for our good. No, he does not deliver them to us. He doesn't send them to us. But he uses those to build us up and grow us up for his glory. So it's ultimately speaking, it's never really a loss. It's an opportunity to learn and grow. Um, we're coming up on our, our time now. Are there any other last um, thoughts that anyone has? Sweet. Um, so now we can move into prayer requests. So if there's anything that you would like to receive prayer for. Prayers um, on this, that's final. That's final. Okay, okay. Uh, I got you on that. Dre, I see you in the chat too, strength and guidance. So if y'all want to type those in the chat or just say them out loud, uh, I'll be praying over that for y'all when we when we pray out. All right, well, let's go ahead and bow our heads and talk to the Lord. Uh, dear Lord, God, I thank you for today. Um, Lord, I thank you for uh, the message that was given today, um, the things that we've learned. Um even by just reading, God, uh, learning and hearing new scripture uh, that we may have not read or heard before. Um, the conversations that we've had were, I'm sure, fruitful to us all. God, I just thank you that we have opportunities like this to, to grow in our faith and grow with our relationships with one another. Oh, God, I pray that we um, would hold this message near and dear to our hearts, oh, God. Um, that we would use this knowledge and actually apply it to our lives, that it's not just something that is just sitting and dwelling on the shelf in our brain, but rather we would actually use it and apply it and be the leaders and the men that you have called us to be. Uh, oh, God, right now, I just want to uplift our brother DJ. I'm going to see prepares for the stats final. Oh, God, I just pray that you would be with him in this time of studying. 
um, that when the actual exam comes that um, he would have a, a recollection of memory of everything that he has prepared for, everything that he has written down and uh, studied for, oh God, that you would just give him success and favor like none other, oh God, that he would come in confident, um, that he can rest in you, um, knowing that you are ultimately um, the one that he is trying to please, oh God. And so I just pray um, that he would be able to glorify you, uh, that he can take this stats final as a form of worship to you, oh God. Um, Lord, I also want to uplift DeAndre um, as he is seeking and needing um, guidance and strength, oh God, that you would just be with him, uh, that he has the accountability that he needs, that he has loved ones uh, checking on him and, and calling on him and helping him grow, oh God, that he would uh, be diligent in his time of prayer and diligent in his quiet times with you, uh, that when he is reading his word, that when he is praying, oh God, that he really can feel and know and understand that he's having conversation with you, that he's having relationship with you, oh God, that even times like this in Bible study, um, that this would be the wisdom and the strength and the guidance that he needs, oh God, in his life. Um, and even for us all, oh God, we, are, we all will never be in a, a position where we are content with our strength or we are content with our guidance, God, we still need you. Uh, regardless of whatever situation that we are in in life, God, we still need and desire relationship with you, oh God. Uh, Lord, I also want to uplift any prayer requests that have not been said or mentioned, but you know the things that we are all dealing with that we have not said verbally or in the chat, but God, I just pray that you would touch our hearts, touch our minds, and just be in every situation that we are in um, and help us and, and God us to protect us. And um, just like your word says, God, as we lean on to you, God, you will lean on to us. So I thank you for today. Uh, and I ask that we just continue to be safe and glorify you in all that we do. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. 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 Thank you guys so much for tuning in and supporting our podcast. I hope this word blessed you. I hope it infects your spirit. I hope it gets into your personal life and you apply it to your daily life. Follow us at our Instagram account at WeRK4C. That's W-E-A-R-E-K-4C on Instagram. And have a blessed day, guys. Thank you guys so much.